Listening to the Coffee Hour, I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live uncommon. It is Monday. That means it is Mental Health Monday. Good morning, Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. Good morning. Do people always address you like that with your big long title? Good morning, Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. They probably just say yeah. morning, mom. That is true. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have therapy kids and they're like, Heidi, Heidi. Like, so that's a, my norm between my own family and the people in my life. Heidi. <laughs> we'll just start yelling that at you now. <laughs> Our guest today has been Heidi. Emotions on the gospel. Today we're digging into the next chapter, brokenness and grace. This might seem a little familiar because we we mm-hmm. spent what most of a year talking about yeah. brokenness, finding hope is what. And so we get to dig into this again, particularly from the perspective of emotion. How does brokenness impact our experience of emotions? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would like to propose two special ways, and there's probably more, so much about when we talk about emotions and we talk about God, and then you put the two together and we talk about relationships, none of those things I think can we sum up in easier, simple ways, and there's stuff we're always learning. And so the two ways that I talk about in the book in particular are, number one, that our emotions, then we experience them in brokenness. And I take a really broad view of brokenness, and in my book, Finding Hope, from Brokenness Restoration, I talk about four different realms. But the thing I think that is most important that we understand when we talk about emotions and brokenness is a non-judgmental stance of it because emotions are so personal and, and generally a challenge for us to wrestle with. And so brokenness in the idea that that is just our state as humans in need of mercy that is is what it is for us. It's not necessarily our fault, and, and certainly there are things we can take fault for, but it's really important that we don't have to own everything that's messed up. And so understanding that it's just our state as humans, that we need help, we need mercy, we need forgiveness, we need grace in our life. And that helps us to be able then to step back and understand that we experience our emotions in that. And so then It's not quite as fault-oriented when we talk about emotions. There's certainly things we need to own and take responsibility for, but there's also a lot that we don't need to. And so we experience our emotions within the realm of brokenness, that the world is hard. And I give this example of gardening. And, you know, I'm not a gardener and there's a whole story about it, but... (laughs) Good story, by the way. (laughs) Thank you. But I had this one year where especially just nothing thrived. Nothing even grew. Like there were maybe some leaves, but there were definitely no vegetables and there was nothing that bloomed or blossomed. And I kind of took it as fault. Like this is, I am a terrible gardener. And that's what we do as humans, right? We, we jump to this negative cognition of I am, I am not good enough. I am not smart enough. I'm not enough. And so that's where I was with this gardening. And it was really silly because it's not even a big part of my life, but it became this thing where I was like, oh, just really kind of sad about it for a few days. And our church secretary said to me, oh yeah, everybody's experienced that this year. Like the the plants just aren't growing. And 
it changed everything about my demeanor. I was like, suddenly there's a breath of breath of fresh air. And I was like, oh, it's not me. And I think we need to understand that about brokenness and humanity. Oh, it's not me. Like this is just is. And then we can begin to understand that that's why emotions at times are so painful because they just are. And the world just is a little messed up all the time instead of I mess things up everywhere I go and my emotions are part of that. There's a snippet of truth in that, but it's not all the truth. And so resting in that 75% of things are messy and hard, and we're going to experience our emotions as part of that messy and hard then. So do you have any thoughts on that before I share the second way that brokenness interacts with our emotions? I have a whole lot of thoughts, but you should probably keep talking. Otherwise, we're not going to get through. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, the second thing is that um, we need emotions in brokenness. This is such a tender thing to me with God looking down on us, looking with us, even walking in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, knowing what was coming. You know, he's all knowing, he's omniscient, knowing that the fall would come knowing that brokenness would shatter our worlds. And we needed ways to process that, that, you know, the concept of happiness wasn't going to be the only thing that was going to carry us through. That seems unique to me that we need these emotions that we've been given in order to walk through as well as maybe occasionally understand carry alongside each other the brokenness of the world and the hard things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've, I really have so many things underlined in this chapter. chapter. My, pen, my pencil's running out of lead. But one thing I did underline uh, that I think has come up before and has stuck with me, so I don't remember which podcast it showed up in a long time ago. You say in the in this chapter, emotions are not meant to be leaders in our lives. They are not guides or managers, but in brokenness, we need the information they provide to walk forward each day. And I underline that and I it's wrote, highlighted in mine. emotions are not leaders. <laughs> <laughs> Can you just talk about that a little bit? Because that was mm-hmm. that is such a critical thing, I think, for us to to realize when we're talking about emotions. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, you know, number one, that's the thing that we all struggle with emotions the most is when they present themselves from inside of us and just seem like they're taken over. They're now in control. They are the captain of the ship. And we feel so out of control then. And that often is where we see some destructive tendencies in our life too then, right? Words come out that we don't mean or we're jumping all over people. The other end of that is that we have experienced that from other people. Like we have been the victims, if you will, of other people's emotional leadership and having that come out with no boundaries. And safety is key to our mental health, to our psychological health, to our physical health, but guess what? Also to our spiritual health. Safety is something that is the work of Jesus Christ, bringing grace into our lives, helping us to know that we are absolutely acceptable before God in Christ, that those things matter. The problem is, is that when we have that emotional overload, we feel so outside of that, right? We feel apart from God's leadership. We feel apart from the things that keep us feeling safe and in control. And so just knowing that that is not their place really helps our narrative <laughs> to be able to say like, oh, that was that was emotions leading. That's not what I meant. 
there's grace for that here. And to be able to then have a picture of what their purpose is as informants. So that's my favorite word for emotions and the description of their their use in our life is that they inform us. They give us information. I need to know that something is making me sad so that I know how to navigate that situation or share my thoughts or be able to turn toward God and people and what I need. If I don't have that information, then I'm going to be even more in the place of like the out of controlness because I don't know what I need. And so I think that they're very useful in that way. They just do not do well as leaders and drivers of the ship. Can I share a personal practical example mm, of yes, this? Yes, of course. <laughs> of uh, how useful just acknowledging this concept is. Mm-hmm. Like after pickup from school and I, all of a sudden I noticed like, one thing after another, everything annoys me. Like I'm annoyed with, mm-hmm. you know, I'm annoyed with something my son is doing. I'm annoyed with something that's in the not, not in the right place at home when we get home and trying to like get mm-hmm. ready for dinner. So that, and, and then I, I pick up on this pattern, like I'm so annoyed with everything. And then I finally realize these are emotions. And they're also emotions coming from the fact that I have low blood sugar at the moment. You are hungry. I'm hungry. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> so mm-hmm. like then I realize, oh, so I'd hang on just a minute. Dad's going to eat a little snack and then I'll get back <laughs> Let me to find some almonds so I could be there's, human again. <laughs> like, yeah. There's memes about this. Like, no, like right. the I world mean, is terrible. I, oh, I'm just hungry. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, right. You know, acknowledging that, okay, I find that I'm annoyed at this. I'm annoyed at this. Mm-hmm. I'm angry at this. Like picking, oh, wait, those are emotions mm-hmm. and I'm not like I, I don't need to be led by them. I also they they indicate something. They're mm-hmm. telling me mm-hmm. something. They're telling me that I have low blood sugar. <laughs> I need to eat. <laughs> no, well, that's just it. And I think that's the piece, honestly, that we miss the most often is that they have they are physical indicators inside of our body through our nervous system through signals sent from our brain. They are they're way more than we give them credit for, right? And so when we can be in tune to that and listen, but not follow it down the yellow brick road, if you will, then we can take that with other information we're given too, right? We are not simple. We're not that one thing annoyed. And we don't just follow that to the ends of the earth. Instead, we listen, we kind of are in tune. We feel maybe that little bit of blood sugar, head space change, or um, we feel something in our gut. You know, these are all signals that can work together then to tell us, oh, I should eat a snack. Mm-hmm. And in everyone else's defense, my son is doing probably whatever I asked him to do. And the thing that's not in the right place is probably because I put it in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's have. true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have also experiences. Right? Well, now that I've totally derailed us, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll continue our conversation on brokenness and grace and emotions and the gospel with Dignus Heidi Gaiman. It is Mental Health Monday on the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. 
Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live Uncommon. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Mental Health Monday. We're talking with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman, digging into emotions and the gospel. Great new book from Heidi Gaiman. HeidiGaiman.com is where you can read more of her work there as well. All right. I lost track of where we are. We've, we've been talking about emotions and this brokenness that we live okay. in. I have a direction I think will help. Well, I was going to say, okay, so first let's go back to like how we use emotions. Like I think the thing we didn't talk about was the relationship between those emotions and then the action. You know, we laid some foundation for that with emotions, not as leaders, but what do we do? How do we change that narrative a little bit? And then I do want to talk about meta emotions because it's one of my favorite things. Yes. So the healthy relationship between emotions and actions. You just gave a really good example, Andy, of what we call the pause. (laughs) And this is a therapeutic concept, but I say it all the time, anything therapeutic and good for us, like God came up with first. (laughs) I I think that pause in life serves us well across the board instead of Mm -hmm. jumping into something. Now, there will be situations where we can't take the pause, that we need to jump into something. But for the most part, the steady rhythm of life allows us the ability to take a second and consider the emotion inside of us to at least uh, listen to it or name it even, very useful. And and the next section of the book after this is about half-truths. And then the third section is about these processing ideas. But that pause gives us the space in order to be like, hmm, do I want to move forward with something? Do I want to utilize this emotion and step into something that I need? Or do I just want to like note it and kind of ignore it to some degree because it's there and it's in, you know, living in space with me and that's okay. I don't have to necessarily do anything with it either. I think the problem is we don't take the pause. So we always think we have, mm, let me take that back. I'm not going to say always. We often think we have to do something with our emotions and the pause allows us to decide, do I want to, or do I not want to do something with our emotions? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a very helpful thing, especially especially if you have low blood sugar or you haven't eaten in a while, to just to have to to make that part of the of the process in your brain of like, oh yes, I'm feeling something. Mm-hmm. I should pay attention to it and figure it out before it just like dumpster fires into something that is a much bigger. It's a very good death. metaphor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and another hot tip, if you will, is to pay attention to what is emotional flooding. So emotional flooding is when we get into a space where physically it's defined as like the, I say the word like so much. I'm trying to fix this listeners. Everyone, someone count for me and and we'll come back and Heidi will change this behavior. Now I'm off track. The idea that we, uh, our pulse is over a hundred beats per minute. That we know is flooding and there's emotions that go along with that. And so it's a chicken or egg situation. Sometimes the emotions 
get to a place where we're flooded and sometimes we're flooded from other things such as, you know, like some kind of heart problem or some kind of health issue. And then even emotions can come in after the flooding or, you know, anxiety attacks sometimes can be caused by flooding from some kind of crisis in our lives, things like that. So flooding, we cannot think reasonably. We are not going to be in a place where we're going to talk ourselves down from that situation to be able to see our spouse's point of view or a coworker's point of view, for instance. Instead, in flooding, that's the time we need to take a step back. And so I would say that's a tip about emotions. When you note that you are elevated and your heart rate is increasing, it is a good idea to be like, hmm going to need a break, going to need a pause, going to need to rearrange or move to a different room or whatever we need to do to process that. We want to keep going usually. That is a choo-choo train waiting to happen, my friends. But we need, we, we are best served with a pause. Oh, yes. I, can, I, I am visualizing situations in my life where that, that has been the case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, okay, Sarah, let's, let's go and do some deep breathing right now because this is not going to end well. So, well, And I wish I would have known this earlier in my life. I mm. actually learned this particular thing through Gottman marriage therapy training, and they use po- pulse ox monitors on couple's fingers during marriage therapy so that they know when they're over a hundred and they, or they're getting 90 and over because we're not going to have a productive conversation. We need to do some soothing techniques to get us back to a place. And, and those soothing techniques sometimes only take 30 seconds. Our bodies are pretty miraculous, but sometimes they take a little bit longer. The most important thing is to acknowledge it. Just like Andy said, with the annoyance, just to say like, (laughs) Huh, I, I do feel this way right now. There's no shame in that. That is not sinful to be annoyed. Can I make it sinful? Surely, because I'm human. But to acknowledge it, I think goes such a long way. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Bringing the train back on the tracks okay. now. You mentioned meta emotions. Mm-hmm. What did you make this up? Or is this like... Is this a thing? I love that you wrote that in the notes. Like, did you make up this word? You guys know me. You know I'm guilty. It was that Andy. I didn't make it up. I think even in the book, it kind of says that, right? Or there's at least footnotes to research or something. Oh, that one doesn't. Footnotes. Who reads footnotes? Okay. Okay. No, I did not make it up. (laughs) Meta emotions are our emotions about emotion. And This is a really important concept. I'll ask it. Let's be real personal. Do you guys have any emotions about any particular emotions, like ones that you don't really like very much or ones that you really like a lot? Anxiety, anxious about being anxious and guilty about being guilty. Oh, that's so good. You're such a good Lutheran. Guilty about being guilty is uniquely Lutheran. Like It's so different than I feel like the other denominations in the way that they have experienced that. Not that one way is harder or easier. It's just very interesting that that is a very specific, I feel like, Lutheran meta emotion. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks for turn, Andy. Okay. That was my fun question. Mm-hmm. Did you make that up? No, I did um, not make right, it sorry. up, but it's emotions <laughs> about emotions. How about you, Andy? Did you have some? Do, oh, do I have? Oh, Meta well, yeah. Anxious. Anxiety about anxiety. <laughs> I feel that. Ding, ding, ding. I'm ding, feeling ding, anxious dinner. about the fact that I'm feeling anxious. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one totally all the time. Also, pro- well, yeah, all the other ones like feeling, <laughs> feeling 
anxious or guilty about having feelings. Feelings about feelings is the definition of meta emotion, right? Yes. And they they do right. couple on each other, right? It's kind of like a piggyback. These meta emotions are, and so it can kind of spiral out of control. I would say that one of the hardest things is tackling our belief system so that those meta emotions are interacting in a healthful way. And so I one of the most dangerous ones I think is sadness about sadness. Like I, I'm mm-hmm. sad that I'm sad. That a lot of times, and no shame again, we are human beings. These are very human things to experience. But there's a belief system in there I probably need to deal with. And I've been that person. You know, I'm a solid seven on the Enneagram. I really like fun events and excitement. And so sadness is a little harder for me naturally. But I will say that it it rocked my world when I dealt with how I felt about sadness, but it also rocked my belief system and how I saw God. And that is very important for us to be able to then have that pause and have that relationship of understanding between our emotions and our action is getting to that root belief system, if you will. So how does God care for us in our emotional brokenness. Mm-hmm. It's really quite beautiful. I think if you turn to the book of Jonah, you see God, God's mercy in technicolor in such a strong way that Jonah is angry with God because he's merciful. And I love the way that it's written, I knew you would be mercy, God. <laughs> And, you know, we are often Jonah, like we, we want God to be kind and loving and we want this vantage point of God. And we often are the people who get in the way of our ability to see that. And so knowing that God is mercy, that he enters into the brokenness, that he is an incarnate God who came among us, who experienced emotion himself in a physical form too. Yes, he experiences emotion as God in Trinity, but in a physical form experienced all of this hurt and brokenness and emotions in the brokenness that I think is a place of deep kindness toward us, deep understand. There's that verse in Hebrews, he's a great high priest who can empathize, sympathize, you can, you name it, whatever word you want to put in there, it can probably be translated toward he turns toward us in our suffering, in our weaknesses, in our emotion states, no matter what they are. That's really comforting mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. All right, let's end with some some good gospel. Where where is the redemption? Yeah. Where is the redemption in all of this? How how do Yeah. How do we work through this? How yeah. does God how does God give us like tangible stuff to work through right. these things? No, absolutely. I think first he provides that place of safety. Like God is absolute safety. We we do need to wrestle with how we see him. If you are seeing a fear-based God, that is not the God of Jesus Christ. You know, he instead gave himself up for us. He sees us and looks at us and wants to know us, scripture says. And so the gospel for us is that God isn't even trying to change us. That's not his goal. He doesn't manage us, like it says. Instead, he 
redeems us and he restores us. So God is always restoration focused in our lives where we try to make him a manager. And so just like anything else, our emotions, there's grace for that too. And we experience them in grace just as much as we experience them in brokenness. God's grace is bigger and bolder and stronger than anything else. And so we can open our eyes, I think, a little bit and look for that even among the brokenness around us. His grace is alive. Very good. Brokenness and grace in emotions and the gospel from Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. You read more at HeidiGaiman.com. You can find more about the book there as well. That's G-O-E-H-M-A-N-N, HeidiGaiman.com. Heidi, always great to chat with you. What I, what I haven't looked ahead. What do we get to dig into next time? What's the next? Oh, we're into part two. Misconceptions. Yes, misconceptions. <laughs> this will be fun. I mean, it. I think these are the ideas about emotion that we don't know that we have. <laughs> so it'll be kind of fun. Yeah, we're going to look under the rug, if you will, and pull out all the junk of emotion culturally. Some spring cleaning. It's not spring. Mm-hmm. It, starts with, it starts with a story about Santa Claus, so this should be good. <laughs> You're welcome. Fantastic. Heidi, thanks so much. Always great to chat with you. Thanks for having me. I'll see you guys next time. This has been Mental Health Monday on The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere.